0: We started, which would just be a two-week thing, um, but what we defined last week as the call of God, uh, and if you if you weren't here, what my attempt uh, in, in last week was is to try to define what a call of God is, um, because as I said, um, that was something that I misunderstood as a kid, but I, I would hear so many people talk about, and so we tried to define that, and I tried to define it in two ways based on what the scripture lays out, and thats that is that there's two types of calls. Okay. Well, there's two. There's, God is calling two types of people because there are two types of people. If you are lost, God is calling you right where you're at. He has a call in your life. And his call for you is that you would repent. He says, I, When Christ came in, in Luke uh, chapter 5, he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yeah. And so the reverse logic of that is if he hasn't called the righteous when he was here on earth and he's calling, those sinners to repentance. So, man, you, you may not even think about it that way, but if you're lost, God actually is calling you to something, even though we use that just in the vernacular of saved people. But then also, if, you're, if you are saved, I wanted to define exactly what that, that call could look like in your life, because, again, I think it's so easy to make that very mystical. Uh, but God lays out some things. I believe there's two major things when looking at God's calling on our life, and that is his general call, which is the same for all of us. Okay, the general call is that we would give our lives to a local church. So that's why you see in in 2023, and, and it's a crazy day to be a Christian. But you see these people that that they make much of the things of God, or at least they claim to. But it's outside the context of a local church. Well, that's not God's call in their life. They may be doing good things. They may be helping good, you know, helping people. But that's not God's call if it's outside the context of that. But then, secondly, we noticed that. As we're called to a local church, the reason we're called to a local church is because this is the vehicle in which he will make disciples. And he wants to to use us uh, as we embark on that. So, this week, uh, I kind of want to look at it. i continue to look at Moses' life, obviously, as we're in Exodus chapter 3. But we're we're calling this God preparing Moses. God preparing Moses. So, one thing that we see throughout Scripture over and over and over is that God does place a call on somebody, but then in the background, even if that person doesn't realize it, God's preparing them so that they can fulfill that calling um, in the way that he wants them to. And so I think we see that here with Moses, and this this is going to sort of angle us more in in the specific call. So what would be your specific call? Remember last week we looked at how your specific call is going to be... uh, is going to be surrounded by your spiritual gifting. So I can't speak to everybody's specific call uh, this morning. I don't even know, your speci- I don't know how God wants to use you specifically in the context of a local church to make disciples, but he does want to. Every single person that trust- has trusted Christ, he gave you a spiritual gifting right then and there. How did he do that? I don't know, but the Bible says it, so I believe it. Okay, so he gave you a spiritual gifting so that he could use you in this calling. So looking at this specific calling, in Moses' life, I believe that God orchestrated everything that has happened uh, so that he could, he could call Moses to that and that Moses could fulfill that calling in his life. So let's, let's, let's read the text, just three verses this morning, and then we'll kind of be all over Exodus 3 and 4. But look at, look at verse 10 in Exodus chapter 3. He says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12. And he and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So let's pray as we get into it. God, I thank you for this opportunity again to, to be in your house, to get in your word. Lord, as always, I pray that your word and your spirit would be the teacher. Uh, God, if I'm the teacher or try to be the teacher, it'll be a fail, it'll be a waste of time. It'll be just going through religious motions, so I don't want that this morning, Lord. I pray that you would be the teacher, that you would take this word and do exactly what only you can do. Help us to receive it, uh, uh, show us, expose to us where each of us individually need this and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing, again, we're talking about God preparing Moses. And this is really, in the first point, this is really where we see God preparing him and what he's doing in his life. And then as we get to point number two and number three, I want to expose to you why God brought him into that that time, place in his life. Okay. So number one, I want you to see this, Moses' season. So we're talking about God preparing Moses. Well, Moses here is going through a season of life. Now, I'll be honest, it is a great comfort to me to know that God orchestrates and has control over the seasons of my life. Uh, and why would that be a great comfort? Well, because not all seasons are equal. Not all seasons are good. Not all seasons are fun or, and are pleasing to the flesh. But man, God has control over the seasons of our life. Look at verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And I'll say more about this verse and why that ties into the season here in just a second. But I want you to see this first subpoint, and this is this will lay the groundwork for this whole season study. It could be that God has strategically placed you in your season. So you analyze your life, you. You examine your life right where you're at. I don't, again, I can't speak to this. I don't know. But you examine the season that you're in. It could be that God has strategically placed you there. Okay, now I don't want to negate the fact that let's, let's kind of zoom out because this is what this message will be is a zoomed out view of Moses' life. Let's zoom out and look at Moses right here. I don't want to negate the fact that Moses. there's some sowing and reaping going on here with Moses' life. Okay, Moses has sinned, right? Moses, what happened in, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, God, God obviously placed a burden for the nation of Israel upon Moses' heart. But what did Moses do? He, he didn't trust the Lord. He, he tried to act with his flesh, and he killed a guy, right? Huge deal. And because of that, he flees to Midian. Okay, that's where he's hanging out right now. That's where he's been the last 40 years. Okay, so I don't want to change that. I don't, I don't want to Make you think that you can just do whatever. I can just do whatever. And God's like, yeah, I, I wanted you to sin so that I could do this. No, that's not how God works. But God still, despite that, despite the season that we're in, whether it, whether it is sowing and reaping or whether it's just God orchestrating it, he still can use that for his glory. He still has placed us there for a reason. So, again, so how does Exodus 3.12 tie into this? So, again, think about this. Moses has, has sinned. Moses killed the guy. He runs. He flees from Egypt, and he goes to Midian. Now, does Moses know that God's going to put this calling on his life? Moses has no idea. Moses doesn't even probably know, although, except for the fact that he is a Jew, why he has such a, a passion for the Jews all of a sudden, okay? But none, because he's, he's grown up as the daughter of Pharaoh, right? He's, he's kind of a big shot in Egypt. But nonetheless, man, it, it, it was no accident. This is what I want you to see. It was no accident that Moses fleed to the place that he fleed to. This is where God's hand is on this, okay? So when, if, you, if I were to show you a map, and I don't have a map up here, but if you were to look at a map of Egypt and Israel or Canaan, where they're eventually going to go, and Midian. Midian is east of Egypt, okay? So in, in Midian, according to verse 12, this is one of the places that he would actually lead the nation of Israel into on their, on their, their time in the wilderness. So what, what is the drawback? of what the, What's the application? Okay, God obviously orchestrated where he would go for his calling. Okay, God brought him to Midian because he was going to use him to lead Israel in Midian. That's what I want you to see. So he's, again, notice this in verse 12. He says, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And that was going to be a token, for Mo- a token for Moses, so that Moses would see that, and he would say, wow, I remember God's calling on my life, him placing that on my life, and here I am back at that same mountain that he called me on, and here I am fulfilling exactly what he wanted me to do. Okay, so and it, would, it would be in that, that time frame where they're walking in the wilderness uh, on their way to Canaan. So again, it could be that God has strategically placed you in your season. Ecclesiastes 3 1. Well how, how can we say such a such a bold thing? Well, notice what it says. To everything there is a season. And I know we we these, these kind of things can get redundant, but we know that every word of God is pure. So if, if it says everything, then that, that it means what it says. So to everything there, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So we can see as we, as we kind of again zoom out, we can see God's hand on this whole situation with the nation of Israel and him taking Moses to the wilderness to prepare him for this calling. It was in Genesis 15, 13, where we, we get the whole, the whole time frame on how long Israel would be in bondage. Check it out, what he, what he tells Abraham. And he said unto uh, what God tells Abraham, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Okay, so before Israel ever even went to Egypt as slaves, God already laid this thing out how long they'd be there. Okay, so again, just kind of a sidebar, the problem with Moses' first attempt at helping Israel— was he was doing it 40 years too early. He was doing it in the timing of the flesh rather than the leading of the Spirit of God, okay? And the same thing happens with you and me. If I try to get out in front of God, despite his calling on my life or despite his calling on your life, if I try to get out in front of God and trust the flesh, man, it always leads to disaster. But nonetheless, God has laid this thing out 400 years that they would be, they would be uh, slaves to Egypt. So look at Exodus 2.15. Okay, so here we go. So now this is, this is Moses having to flee, just so happened to be 40 years before this 400 years was up. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the, face of, uh, from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Okay, again, what I'm trying to get you to see here, 40 years before the time frame in which he would call him. Okay, and how long was he in the how long did he lead the nation of Israel in the wilderness? For 40 years. And 40 in our Bible is oftentimes a picture of tribulation. Okay, so again, what I'm trying to show you, God has is led Moses to Midian for a time of trying, for a time of, of trial, okay? Changing his scenery. And he's preparing him by getting him to lead sheep, which is very similar to what God would have him do with the nation of Israel, which he calls his sheep. So, again, we can see this whole thing starting to unravel. Look at Exodus 2:23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Okay, so... Here it is, the time that that 400 years is coming to a head. And, and the people of God, Israel, is crying out to God. So God, hearing their prayers, is already in the, in the works of preparing Moses, as we can see here in Exodus 3.1. Now, during that time, during the time that Israel was crying out to God for deliverance, he says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Okay, so again, I just want you to see as we zoom out on this whole thing. Did, 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 Moses, did Moses mess up? Yeah, he messed up in, in, in Exodus chapter 2. But did God have his hand on everything that happened after that so that his calling could be fulfilled in Moses' life? Yes, he's at work in all of this. Okay, so it brings us to this, this verse, which we quoted a lot last week, and it'd be a, it would continue to be a theme with this whole thing of, of God calling us, And I would propose to you that it's, it's the greatest New Testament promise outside of, outside of salvation. But it says this in Romans 8:28, "And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose." So again, man, if you're, if you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ, then you fit the bill of Romans 8.28 28, that, because you are them, you are a part of those people who are the called according to his purpose. Okay, and according to that promise, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what season you're in, he can work that thing for his glory in your life that's what that's that's what's that's what's taking place here in moses's life he can work that I And mean, again that is such a comforting thing because if you're like me and you've gone again some seasons i'm like it's easy to say oh yeah or this is well your hand is your hand is good your grace is sufficient and then there's other seasons or my like, man if it, if if it wasn't for god i, I don't know how i'd do it if, if if i knew that this was all on me all on my, my, able, my ability to bear this, man, I don't know if I could do it. But man, according to the, to the word of God, every season has a purpose. There's a reason for it. And so we see this, that God is preparing Moses for his calling in his life. The second sub-point I want you to see, again, when, when kind of zooming out and looking at Moses' life here and how God is working all this, despite Moses' mess up, I want you to see this. It t- shows us this. That God does not define your future service based on past failures. God does not define your future service based on past failures. I and mean, again, you may be, you, your season, again, I don't know where that, what that is, what that looks like. But your season may be simply a product of reaping and sowing. Some of my seasons in life may simply be a product of reaping and sowing. It may, have not, it may not have been God's perfect will. For me to be in the place I was in, but nonetheless, he has to be true to his word. He has to allow the, the process of, of sowing and reaping. But man, again, find find peace in Romans 8 28 that nonetheless, man, he can still work that thing for his glory. And that's what he's doing here with Moses. So Moses' season, that this is again the zoomed out view of, of God taking Moses and preparing him for this calling. Man, again, it Moses probably, there's probably many times in Moses' life. Where he's looking up. He he comes from a place where he was the daughter of, of or he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's he's living the high life. He's, I mean, Egypt's a picture of the world, so you equate that to us, man. He's living in what the world would say is an awesome life. And then man, now he's in this place where he's literally on the backside of the desert. And what a desert in the Bible oftentimes pictures that of a dry time. If you've ever been in a dry season in your life, Moses is in the backside of this desert and he's tending sheep such a lowly job in comparison to what he was. And there was probably many times that Moses had no idea why God had allowed this in his life. But again, God did it for a reason. And the reasons are what we're going to look at number two and number three. Number two, that's Moses's weakness. Moses's weakness. And we talked a lot about weakness last week. And man, you just can't talk about God's calling on our lives without magnifying our great weakness. Exodus 3.10, look at it. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And notice, notice how Moses replies right here. And this is such a typical, when you study out these men of God and the word of God, so many of them reply the same way. Verse 11, and Moses said unto God, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, I'll be honest, I don't even know if I could name you people in Scripture that have had a, a spirit of pride or a spirit of, of, of confidence in their own flesh and own ability that God actually called to do something great in his purposes. I don't actually know of anybody. I think of, I think of Moses here who says, man, who am I? I think of Isaiah, who pretty much says the same thing when he gets in the presence of the Lord. I think of Paul, the greatest Christian that we know, who's, who has reason to boast. Paul's actually, he's got a, a lineage that's, that's, I mean, he's a stud. And Paul actually says, I have no confidence in the flesh. I mean, all these men, all these people, they, they come before God when God is presenting something that he wants from their life. And they all say the same thing. They all say, who am I? So I want you to see this first subpoint again. I want to expose to you why I believe it's very clear that God allowed Moses' a season, and it's, it's for his weakness. So your first subpoint: Moses' season exposed to him his own weakness. Now that that that's that's extremely that's extremely important, and this is why. Okay, God already knew that Moses was weak. God knew that Moses was weak even when he was in Egypt, even when he was living the high life, even when he had everything, even when he had wealth. God knew that Moses was weak, and God knows that you and I are weak. Oftentimes, the problem is we don't realize how weak we are. And if, and if, we don't, if I don't realize how weak I am, I can get in the way of God's purposes in my life. So God needs us to see the very same thing. God needed Moses. God had to show Moses uh, his viewpoint of Moses how weak he was look at Psalm 39 4 I didn't mention David who obviously was a weak man but notice what David says here this is a this is a principle that that man I'm, I'm constantly reminded of David says a, a very bold thing to the Lord he says Lord make me to know mine end what in the world He's saying, God, I want to know what my end looks like. I want you to remind me that I am fragile. He says, Lord, make me to know my end in the measure of my days, what it is. And this is why he wants them to do that, that I may know how frail I am. See, David was worried that he may think he had the ability to do something. He was worried that he may get filled with pride to think, you know what, I'm I'm the king here, I'm, I'm doing all right, I'm, I'm, kind of a big, I'm kind of a big deal. He says, make me to know mine end, that I may know how frail I am. That's David, Psalm 90, verse 12, this is Moses. This is interesting, if you, uh, in our Bible, when you look at Psalms, they all have little headers at the beginning of the chapter. And this, is, this, this one says, a prayer of Moses. So this is Moses here in Psalm 90, and notice what he says. So teach us to number our days. Same thing that David said. Wow, what a, what a statement. When the world has a viewpoint that it's, man, it's, it's living for the here and the now, and, to keep, and, and the, the world says, hey, man, don't think negatively. Man, these men of God are saying, God, teach me to number my days. Show me how frail that I am. But he tells us why this is such a big deal. So teach us to number our days. Why, why is all this a big deal? That we may apply our hearts Unto wisdom. Man, God needed Moses to see how weak he was, to see how fragile life was, so that he would give his life to the things of God. He so he would so that he would give his life to things that were eternal. And here's our second sub point. Moses had to see his own weaknesses because God only uses weak people. You know, I'll be honest, there's times in my life. Where I sometimes wanna wanna be that guy that's just tough that's just that's just got all the answers that can handle every situation, but at the end of the day, you know what, man? God doesn't use strong people. God doesn't use strong people. He only uses He only uses weak people. First Corinthians one, we laid this out we laid this out last week, and 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 Brother Daniel made mention of this this morning, in prayer room. But, he, but Paul here, again, uh, somebody that had reason to, to boast. Pa, Paul, somebody here that was actually in this time giving his whole life to the mission field. He tells the church of Corinth this. For you see your calling. Okay, Again, has God called you to something? Absolutely. But if you want to fulfill that calling, you have to take this mindset of, of these three verses. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but god hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and god hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and things which are not to bring uh, things which are not to bring to naught things that are and why would he do all those things what would be the purpose and why he would ch- choose to use this economy well, t- verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so, man, as, as we look at this type of thing, how do we know if God, if God is the one, if God's calling or God's hand is on something in our life? Well, th- here's a simple rule of thumb. Man, if there's any way that I could get glory from that situation, then, man, it's not God doing the work. Because God, God is not interested in sharing his glory with me at all that no flesh should glory in his presence. I mean, you look at a guy like Moses and and what God did with Moses' life, man, there was no way that Moses could get the credit for that. It was a God thing. It was God at work in and through him. 1 Peter 5 gives us this whole thing, this economy again that God works through. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Why why does God want us to be clothed with humility? Why did God want Moses to be clothed with that? For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Man, Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to eventually go there. But he tells them. He says, man, that God, that the, the, the grace of Jesus Christ is sufficient in our time of weakness. Okay, well, he says that that grace is sufficient. So according to 1 Peter, man, if I want that grace to abound in my life, notice what it says, that he giveth grace to the humble. Man, there is more grace that is to be had, and it only comes to those that understand their weakness. So again, man, Moses' season here. God is God is is working in it. God is is working through Moses and all of this. Uh, and why is He doing that? Well, because again, He needed He needed to show Moses how weak that he really was. Imagine this whole thing if, if 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 Exodus chapter two had never happened, and Moses was still in in Egypt, and Moses was still a big shot. He was still in the line to to possibly becoming Pharaoh, possibly. And all that stuff was still taking place, and then God would have, Moses would have begun to, to take the nation of Israel out of bondage. Man, it would have looked as though, as though Moses had all the answers, as though Moses was a phenomenal leader, as though Moses was a man of might and of strength. But man, God chose to not, to not work in that avenue. He chose to work in the avenue of 1 Corinthians 1, that he only uses the weak and the base things. Man, I find great comfort in that. If, if you're here this morning and you are base, you know what base means? Like you're simple. You ain't nothing special about you. If you're base, man, God can use you. If you're weak, God wants, to, wants his calling to be real in your life. That's how God has, has orchestrated this whole thing. But then number three, that brings us to this. I want you to see Moses' dependence. Moses' dependence. Did God orchestrate the season of Moses' life? Yes. Why did he do it? Well, he wanted to show him his weakness. But, not, but he, didn't want it to, he didn't want it to just stop there. He wanted Moses to take that weakness and utilize dependence upon the Lord. Exodus 3, 11 and 12. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? There it is. He's, God, I, I'm not capable of such a calling. Verse 12. And he said certainly I will be with thee. He wants them to see who he is despite Moses' weakness. God's saying, man, look at who I am. Look at what what my capabilities are despite your weaknesses, Moses. And it would be verse 14, which we don't have on here, where he he again quotes that thing where he says, I am that I am. What, What he's saying there is, man, I'm present in every situation. I am capable in every situation that you go through. He's saying, Moses, you, gotta get a right, you have to get a right view of yourself, Moses, but then you've got to get a right view of me as God. That's what the Lord's telling him here. And Moses eventually gets to that place. Look at Exodus chapter 14. And we'll, we'll show you how he, he, he struggled with that at first. But Exodus chapter 14, this is, a, this is after God already, uh, or Moses already has the nation of Israel out in, the, out in the wilderness. They've already been out there for a while. And notice how Moses has been strengthened. And Moses has a correct view and a correct dependence upon the Lord. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. He's talking to his his people in Israel. Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no, no more forever. And then notice verse 14. What a verse. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace you know what Moses had eventually throughout this process of his calling and then him walking in his calling what Moses eventually realized is man God is capable of keeping his word God is capable of doing exactly what he said you're weak you 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 can't do it guys but man he is able if you'll simply if you'll simply trust in him and so simple, three simple subpoints, points in, in, in this dependence here that we must see. First of all, your weakness and inability is not the end goal, but rather to change who you trust in. So, man, God doesn't, he doesn't just want me to be weak because he's just a, just a rough, mean God. Like, he's not like, Dylan, I just want you to have no confidence in life. No, it's not that. He just wants my, the place of my confidence to be transferred he wants him, him alone, to be my confidence. And Moses struggled with this. This was a little bit of a process for Moses. So if you, I don't think I have, I don't know if I put this on the screen or not, but I did. Okay, look at Exodus chapter 4. So this was something that Moses, again, he, he looks back to the nation of Israel in Exodus 14, and he, and he looks as though he's a man full of faith. But it was a process that, that Moses had to get to despite his weakness. Look at, it, look at Exodus 4.1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. Okay, so God's called him. God is, is placing these things on his life. He's telling them what he wants them to do. And Moses is having a hard time with it. He, he's, because he's in Midian and he's been there for 40 years and he sees his issues have brought him there in the past, he understands fully his weakness, right? He's gotten it. He's like, God, I get it. I, <laughs> I'm nobody. Okay, but he's having a hard time with transferring that dependence upon the Lord and trusting him. So he says it says and Moses answered and said, "But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice." For they will say, "The Lord hath not appeared unto thee." Verse 2, and the Lord said unto him, "What is that in thine hand?" And he said, "A rod." And he said, "Cast it on the ground." And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from the, fled from before the serpent, okay? So what's happening here? Moses sees his weakness, but he's not trusting in the Lord, so the Lord gives him something. Gives him comfort, gives him strength to to, to show him, hey, Moses, I got you. That's his first one. He gives him a few illustrations on how that helps him. Look at verse 10, though. Exodus 4, verse 10. Here, here Here comes Moses with his second thing. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, neither since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So, man, first he's worried that the people are not going to believe that he's called by God, and God gives him something to fix that, okay? Despite that weakness, God gives him something. And then he's like, well, you know what? I got another excuse why God can't use me. God, I can't speak. I'm a man of stumbling lips. And look what, look what the Lord says. The Lord, gives him, the Lord gives him a response to that. And the Lord said unto him, verse 11, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Okay, so man, Moses, again, Moses got to the right place because of his experience in Midian that he understood how frail he was. But man, what God is showing us here in Exodus 4 is Moses, and eventually does, Moses had to get to the place where he trusted the Lord despite those weaknesses. So again, the end goal is never that I just simply understand I'm weak, but it's that I'll understand that he is strong, that he is capable, that he is worthy, and and I can trust him with my life. So our second sub-point that I want you to see here is this. When we trust Jesus with our weakness, he strengthens us. When we trust Jesus, Jesus with our weakness he strengthens us Look at second corinthians 12 and this is the this is the, the the story i was giving you earlier where paul is he is communing with the church of corinth and it says this and lest i should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations what's paul talking about here paul had been caught up in exodus 12:1 he'd been caught up to the third heaven okay so paul is is experiencing things that other people are not able to experience and you know what happens? You would think that the Lord would want him to go and just utilize that. That's why you know when you read these books, 30 minutes in heaven, 30 minutes in hell, I hope you know that junk's garbage, okay? But, man, Paul here is literally going into that, and he is seeing the third heaven, okay? And God allows that in his life. But then when he comes back down to earth, man, God allows a thorn in the flesh to take place in his life. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's talking about. So, look at, again, look at verse 7. So he's saying, because of that, because I saw these things, unless I should be exalted above measure, in other words, unless I would get full of pride, unless I would, I would think I'm capable of doing this on my own, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Why would Paul not want to be exalted above measure? Because God would no longer use them. Verse 8. Okay, so he's he's been given this thorn in the flesh. And again, the Bible doesn't specifically uh, let us know what it is. I mean, you can compare Scripture to Scripture and it's probably an eyesight thing. But nonetheless, I believe that the Holy Spirit on purpose doesn't reveal this thorn in the flesh here. Because you know why? Because we all have different thorns of the flesh. Your thorn of the flesh is not the same as my thorn of the flesh. For this thing, okay, for this thorn, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. So he comes to the Lord in prayer three times about this thorn in the flesh. Why would he do that? That it might depart from me. He wanted God to get rid of it. And man, you know what? Verse 9 right here, this is is the charismatics and people that preach the prosperity gospel and health, wealth, and all that stuff. They have no answer for this type of of scripture right here. But notice, notice what Paul says. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So man, back to the season thing. Man, maybe you're in a season where you've, you have come to the Lord and you have asked him to remove something out of your life. And maybe his reply, maybe he'll take it away, I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. But maybe his reply to, thee, to you is, hey, you know what, Dylan, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. I know this is a burden to you. I know this is a problem. But Dylan, instead of getting rid of it, my grace is sufficient to bring you through that. You even look at the nation of Israel. When they're they're coming out of Egypt, it would have been nice if God could have just worked it out where they didn't even have to go through the Red Sea. They didn't have to mess with it. They could have gone around it. And you know what? That's oftentimes what I want God to do in my life. I'm like, God, don't I see that coming? Hey, just don't even bring that to me. Like, let me just go around it and it never be a thing. But you know what? God has laid this whole Christian life out that sometimes, man, you got to go through it. Now, does He provide a way? Is His grace sufficient? It absolutely is. But sometimes He doesn't remove things in our life. Why would He do that? Why would He allow these thorns of the flesh, whatever yours is, why would He allow that in your life sometimes? Because, man, that's how the power of Christ rests upon you. Him giving strength through that weakness in your life. Again, that's that's the problem with the health and wealth gospel. Is man, God, oftentimes, he doesn't doesn't remove things. There is a such thing as the doctrine of suffering. God allows us to struggle and and to be in hard times and hard seasons so that his power may rest upon us. So, man, what's the thing here? Man, man Paul had to give that th- to the Lord. And he gets to the place where he literally says, uh, He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities? I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I've ever been able to say that. That, mo- that God's given me something, an infirmity, a struggle, man. Hey, God, most gladly will I, will I keep that thing so that your power can rest upon me. Man, That is, but that's what God's called us to. So, Paul here. Man, he he gives that weakness to the Lord. And so again, when we trust Jesus with our weakness, he strengthens us. Wouldn't it have been nice if Moses had just asked the Lord, Hey, God, I'll do that if you fix my speech. If you make me a man that is a phenomenal order, I'll do it. You know, God never did that. Moses never became a better speaker. God used him despite that weakness. And this is what he's laying out. And then our our last sub-point here that I want you to see. When we trust Jesus despite our weakness, our faith is built up. When we trust Jesus despite our weakness, and Brother Daniel, if you would come play that bro if you can. When we trust Jesus despite our weakness, our faith is built up. Notice again what Paul says. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches in necessities, and persecutions, and distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Man, again, Paul got to that place, despite, despite this, whatever his thorn was, whatever his weakness was, man, Paul got to the place where he could say, man, I, I, I gladly walk in that. I'll gladly own that, because this is how Christ's power is worked in and through me. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1 real quick. I don't have this on there. It just came to my mind. 1 Peter chapter 1. Because, see, I I think it's easy if you're like me. It's easy to to have this mindset where we think, you know what, God, I'll do this for you. I'll serve you in this capacity if you fix this first. But, man, oftentimes that's not the way the Lord works. I would say majority of the time that's not the way the Lord works. And so... Again, why would, he, why would he allow those things to remain? Well, so that, so that we will see how weak we are. So that we will cast all of our dependence upon him. So that he can, through our weakness, he can strengthen us. And, and then when that process takes place, it actually builds our faith. And we become more profitable for his kingdom because of that. Look at First 1 Peter 1, 1.7. I've quoted this. I think it's 1, seven. Yeah, 1, seven. Notice this. This goes hand in hand with the thorn of the flesh. He says that the trial of your faith. Okay, now if we just stop there, let's be honest. I'm seeing nothing positive so far, right? We're talking about some some crappy stuff. That the trial of your faith, but then notice how he describes it. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. What? The trial, the, the struggles of life is more precious than gold? according to him it is Uh, though it being tried with fire why is it more precious might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ what's the appearing of jesus christ that's the rapture of the church so man why would why would he why would god allow this in paul's life Why would God have allowed this thorn, this weakness to remain, despite him trying to serve God? Paul's not trying to to be stronger so he can go out and live live for the world. No, he's doing this. He's, He's doing these things for God. But, man, he allowed it so that in Paul's life, according to 1 Peter 1, so that in Paul's life, there would be more glory from the life of Paul to Jesus Christ at his appearing. Man, Paul's experience at the judgment seat of Christ Will be different because of his thorn in the flesh, because of him yielding that to Jesus Christ. So, ma'am, I, I again I, I say this all the time, but I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know. You, you may be sitting like Dylan. I don't. I mean, if I would have heard this type of message when I was 21, I'd have been like, "What's he talking about? Season? I, what is that? What's all that about?" But man, I've realized in my life that there's been again some things that I don't I can't put all the I can't put all the answers to on why God allows things in our life. But man, all I know is this, he's going, if we, if we yield it to him and he'll use it for his glory, he'll strengthen us. He'll, 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 he'll allow that power to rest upon us and use us more mightily for his glory. So man, maybe you're here this morning and I say all that and, and you say, Dylan, you're talking about all that. I've never even trusted Christ. Well, again, with this whole thing of a call, the call of God, is God calling you to something? He absolutely is. He's calling you to repent, to turn and receive his son, to trust on Jesus Christ as the only sufficient payment for your sin debt. So, man, if that's you this morning and you want to talk about that and you have any questions about that, you come forward this morning. Daniel's going to sing. I'd be glad to take a Bible and show you how you can trust Christ. And if you're saved, again, this has just been a zoomed out little mini-series on God's calling on our life, how he can prepare us to, to, to utilize that in our life man again just to remind ourselves what is his calling okay well again his general calling again i'm always asking myself god am i walking in light of your calling in my life well if it's he wants me to be given holy to a local church and then secondly he wants me to be given holy to making disciples that's winning the loss if i'm not out actively trying to win the loss you know what i can answer man god god i'm not walking in light of your calling I may be doing the right profession. I may be, uh, you know, being a good dad. I may be doing all these things. But if, if that's not the focus and mission of my life, man, I'm not walking in his calling. It's just that simple. So, man, I'll let you do business with the Lord this morning. You want to come, you come. If you want to do business in your seat, you do that as well this morning. i